Hello, and thank you for listening to Girl Wonder. My name is Joe Rochelle, and I'm just your everyday girl talking about your favorite webtoons. The theme we are going to explore this week is abandoning someone you love. In this episode, we'll discuss how characters abandoning the ones they love affected the latest episodes of the following webtoons, Lore Olympus, Siren's Lament, Edith, and Unordinary. In the description box of this podcast, you have the start times for when I talk about each webtoon, and there is a short musical interlude between each one, so you are free to skip around and listen to the discussions of the webtoons that you love the most. Also, stay tuned, you guys, because this Saturday, I am dropping a bonus episode this week, and it is all about Lore Olympus. I'm really excited about it, so just save the date for this Saturday, August 3rd. And before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Portland, Oregon, Rancho Santa Margarita, California, Waldorf, Maryland, and (laughs) couldn't say the word Maryland, Honolulu, Hawaii, and Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, let's get into it. Lore Olympus, episode 69. All right, so in this episode, we get a true flashback of how Aphrodite found out about Eros and Psyche. Now, we knew and we have known for a long time how Eros and Psyche got together and how they've been together and how they broke up. But Aphrodite had no idea, and now we get to see her finding out for the first time. And speaking of our theme of, you know, heartbreak and abandoning someone you love, that's what Eros is reflecting on right now, because he told Persephone in the last episode that, you know what, it's time to pursue Psyche again and mend what was broken between them. I mean, Eros was so heartbroken that he was causing mayhem for mortals. He got the attention of Zeus. Hermes tried to help him, but got punched in the face. I mean, that's a different side of Eros that we hadn't seen. I was shocked. I was like, he punched Hermes. Um, So Aphrodite gets called in. It's kind of like the principal's office, isn't it? Where Zeus is sitting there saying, this is what your son has done. And she's like, what is going on? But she's not mad. She doesn't reprimand Eros at all. She's more, um, I feel like we see the lengths that she will go to, to protect her son, support her son. It's impressive, really. We're getting a lot of depth to Aphrodite's character. Um, She, you know, handles things with Zeus by being very attractive and Zeus will, he'll go for anyone, it seems, but he'll definitely go for Aphrodite because she's gorgeous. But yeah, she has a strong, unbreakable bond with her son. And I think this episode proved that she will do anything for him. And I couldn't help but be a little bit endeared to Aphrodite. I was already feeling it a little bit last week's episode. Remember how Persephone was so, so terrified of Aphrodite coming home and seeing her, especially after all that went down between them in the first episodes of Lore Olympus. You just see that I don't know if it's even growth. It's more like peeling back the layers of who Aphrodite is. We're seeing glimpses of her um, 
her fierce love for her son. You saw glimpses of her pettiness when we first started the series, right? And she she was mad <laughs> and she was upset with Persephone, though Persephone didn't do anything wrong to her. She was really mad at Hades, right? But now we see that she's just a passionate person or passionate goddess, I should say. She has a lot of passion and care. And when she does care about someone, she seems to care a lot because, yeah, she does selfless things for Eros. It's really sweet to see. On the webtoon, Penn's B4KY board commented and said, does a god have to stand in a boring DMV-like line to get a permit for an act of wrath? That's a really funny joke. I could totally envision that it's so bureaucratic trying to get a permit to do anything as a god or a goddess in Lore Olympus, especially since it's such a modern-like world. I could definitely see a DMV-like situation where the line is really long. But yeah, this person was referring to the part in the episode where Eros is in trouble with Zeus in the principal's office, as I like to call it, and Zeus says, you don't have a permit to be killing all these mortals. Um, so yeah, I could see that being a very funny visual the dmv line and then wolfsbane 69 commented and said hold up dot 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 did aphrodite just mama gump her son out of trouble (laughs) yeah i think she did that's exactly what happened i know that stood out to a lot of us in this episode like i said it shows her fierce love for her son and mama gump in the movie forrest gump also loved her son very much i believe that she did a similar thing when she needed like braces leg braces for Forrest Gump when he was a younger boy correct me if I'm wrong you guys but I'm pretty sure that's the moment I haven't seen that movie in a while but that's probably the moment we're all referring to DJ Core commented saying whoa no one can say Aphrodite doesn't love her kids I fully agree that that is the takeaway of this episode if you learn anything about Aphrodite in Lore Olympus it's that she loves her kids She loves them, and she's a fierce mother. So I am really excited to see if this flashback's going to continue next week and what's going to happen next. Siren's Lament, episode 145. So Lyra is talking to the hunter, and her eyes suddenly glow blue. That is where we left off last week. And we start this episode off with what looks like a flashback, but we can't be 100% sure, right? It's a woman saying, how can you abandon your family? And then there is what looks like the back of the Poseidon, Aaliyah, with her pink hair. And it says, abandoning someone you loved. Oh, look, that's our theme for the podcast this week, abandoning someone you love. And Siren's Lament is all about that this week. So who in this webtoon is abandoning someone they loved? Who should feel guilty about that? Well, we know the hunter because he straight up murdered his Siren partner. And we also are led to believe that Lyra should feel this way too. Either it's her memories, her reincarnated memories, or someone else's memories, but she is thrown into all of the feels this episode. What kind of feels, you ask? Well, 
Lyra feels immense sadness and guilt. You know, once Ian and Sean are like, we have to get her out of the water. She's been in the water way too long as a siren. Hopefully she'll turn back. She does. She turns back into a human with her human legs. But she's filled with the sadness. She thinks of her grandmother and the last time they had a fight. And of course, we all know her grandmother is so connected to this whole siren curse, the Poseidon, the amulet, the pregnant siren that she saw wash up on shore. We know the grandmother's connected, so I'm wondering how the visions that we saw at the beginning of the episode with that whole, how could you abandon someone you love? You deserve to live with this guilt. How does it all relate? How does the grandmother fit into that Poseidon, Amilla, Lyra, and the grandmother, right? But I did feel bad for Lyra in this episode. She had this thought where she said, maybe deep down I want Ian to be right about me being another person because I don't have much faith in who I am right now. And that's, that is immensely sad. It's tough because she really doesn't know what's going on. It would be hard to hear someone say, I think you're a reincarnation of someone else and I would like to meet that someone else. That's basically what's happening to her right now. So it's tough. But another highlight of this episode was when Sean carries Ian because Ian did not turn back into a human. He is a siren right now. He is a solid siren. He's not sharing the curse with anyone. That's just, he's got fins. And so Sean carries him. And of course, Ian's got some flirty jokes and it's hilarious. I think he says, hey, lover boy to Sean. And that's the title of this podcast episode. That's where I got it from. It was very funny. I laughed out loud. And so another sweet moment, this episode had a lot of like either sad moments or really sweet moments or really funny moments. And one of the really sweet ones was when Lyra told Ian that she would not change him for the world. I know whether she loves him romantically or platonically as friends, she does love him. That's clear now, right? And it's kind of like they all thought about how they feel about each other because hearing that Ian's like, well, if she wouldn't change me, am I trying to change her right now? A little bit. It's, it's, we can't blame him too much because he, he can't help but try to wonder if she's that Amilla, right? He can't help but wonder. But at the same time, yes, he's trying to see if her reincarnated self is her true self, which might change the Lyra that you know. And then Sean's thoughts, he has his suspicions about Ian because Ian has not made it clear that you know, he knows who the Poseidon is and she gave him Krim's powers after killing Krim. I know I mentioned killing Krim every single week and I didn't know I was going to be someone who brings him up so much, but I think that death really affected me and I'm still processing like in a webtoon fictional kind of way. I'm still processing that he's gone and that he was so loyal to Aaliyah and she kind of abandoned someone who loved her. If we're staying on theme here, that happened too. It's maybe like a cycle of abandonment a little bit and that's why she's able to be so cold hearted. And one more thought about Sean. He has none of his memories right now. He's just trying to make things work. The essence of who he is is still intact. And I have to give Miso a little bit of a, you know, some props for that because he is being Sean. He's just Sean with no memories. And that's hard to write and draw, but she's done an excellent job. So I think he's completely parallel with Lyra right now. You know, how can Sean have faith in who he is? when he doesn't have his memories. Lyra just said, deep down, I don't have much faith in who I am right now. How can Sean, he basically says that too in this episode. He doesn't have faith in who he is. So that's a nice parallel that we have for us. And then 
The only one who actually knows who they are in this friendship is Ian because Lyra is like, who am I? Am I a reincarnation? Sean is just like, who am I? I have no memories. And then Ian has all his memories. He has all the information. It's very unbalanced for who has what kinds of information. It's all Ian. He has all the information. So Melody of Love 23, and I like that username, but Melody of Love 23 commented on this webtoon and said, Tua and Peel need to find each other. I'm dying here with about eight exclamation points. <laughs> I know we all feel that way. And at the same time, it's kind of nice that when they do finally reunite, it's going to feel so, so satisfying because of the wait. If they just showed up and met each other right after they both turned human, I feel like it would have taken some of the air out of the moment. So I am excited for the wait, but I'm also very excited for them to see each other and for especially Peel to know that he is alive. And maybe we'll find out next week, but I can't wait to talk about Siren's Lament with you guys next time. Edith, episode 27. So how do you deal with being abandoned by the one you love? Um, this speaks clearly of Edith and Philip. I could fit them right into the theme of this episode this week. Remember that last time when we saw them, they spent the night together in the hotel. Philip gets up, checks Edith's phone because it happens to be ringing near him, sees Jack's name with a heart emoji next to it, gets jealous, gets frustrated that he's jealous, denies that he's jealous, realizes he's jealous, makes him even more frustrated. He storms out. Edith wakes up alone in the hotel room feeling like they both feel like, you know, they've been abandoned. That person does not love them. I could sense that that's how they both feel about each other. So now Edith is hanging out with her newly made friend, Magnolia, who goes by Mags for short. And they get some much needed girl talk time at a restaurant slash bar, but they sit at the bar, they drink, they kind of let loose a little, they talk, Magnolia flirts with the bartender, it's girls night and they're having a good time. And, um, you know, Jack is there too, which is very interesting. We kept expecting, as the audience, I think we all kept expecting for Jack to be like, oh, hey, Edith. And that could still happen in future episodes, but we definitely were waiting for him. Like, Jack is here. Is he going to run into Edith? Is he going to think she's cute? Is the love triangle going to continue or or not? Nah? <laughs> so um, I'm glad that Edith told Mags that she has been seeing Philip. And I was worried that we wouldn't get to that this episode, but it happened. And I was relieved because she needs to talk to somebody about this. Their relationship, in my humble opinion, is not the healthiest it could be because they both have different expectations of each other and they do not communicate their expectations, right? I don't know if Philip is a in a mature enough place in his, this relationship to say, it bothered me to see Jack's name. It means I might like you and I didn't want that to happen, but now it's happened. Where do we go from here? And I don't think Edith quite yet is in a mature enough place to say, I really like you. Sure, I liked Jack when we met, but now I'm really falling for you, dude. Because she is. They both are, but they don't really communicate, at least not yet, not as far as I've seen. They don't communicate about each other and how they feel about each other. So I'm glad at least Eve told Mags, this is how I feel about Philip. We've been seeing each other for a while. But here's the thing. Magnolia starts saying, 
and she's had a few drinks at this point. She says, I know Philip has a way with words, and he is a very handsome guy and all, and he has a net worth of one million, which is nothing to sneeze at, and you could wash clothes with those beautifully defined abs, dot, dot, dot. And so Edith's like, what are, what are you trying to say? What, what is your point, Magnolia? And then Magnolia's like, oh, you know what? I forgot what I was going to say. And I'm suspicious. Was she, was she really that drunk that she's just rambling and has no point? Or does she have a point but decides better not to say it? I mean, what do you guys think? I thought she had a point. But then, you know, she went on for so long and she was like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't tell her that secret about Philip that I know. That's where my dramatic brain went. Did it go there for you? Should Be Sleeping commented on this webtoon and said, now I want Edith and Chris to become friends, for her to start modeling for town for extra money, become an uber successful and desirable model and writer, and then Philip, Jack, and all the love interests can chase after her. That is the end game, not some relationship. I agree and disagree. I would love to see Edith blow up as a model. Don't get me wrong. I want to see that. I do want to see the guys chase after her and her not have to do all the chasing. But I also know that this is a very realistic webtoon. It's been so realistic, you guys, so far. What started off as a very fun fling between her and Philip has gotten very serious and feelings are getting hurt on both sides here. And they haven't even talked to each other yet. That is that is life. That is realistic life you guys so I do want her to end up in a relationship but maybe the relationship is with herself you guys and before you roll your eyes and say that's so cliche I think she does need to learn how to love herself appreciate herself before she can really love someone else I just think that's necessary so let's see if that happens all of a sudden in the next episode of Edith Unordinary episode 150, we finally see a showdown between John and Remy. Except it's not really so much of a showdown, it's a conversation, but it does get heated. So this episode really got me thinking about John's point of view and Remy's point of view throughout the entire series in a way I never thought about it before. So John, He comes from the point of view and the perspective of someone who has been bullied for years, for a long time, in high school, and he's just so mad, you know? It feels like he's hell-bent on revenge, you could view it that way, or he's hell-bent on dismantling the system that has abused so many, including himself. Um, At least he's, he's definitely determined to tear the system down. While Remy, I think she, it's fair to say that she's a bit oblivious. And I think we got hints of it. You know, Uru-chan has been leading us down this path of foreshadowing how Remy is because we also get flashbacks in her perspective, right? Of her realizing how blind she has been to the state of the world and especially the state of the high school. I mean, she's oblivious to the point where as much as I love her, because I do think she's a sweetheart, You are like, okay, girl, it's hard to give you a pass because this has been going on and you missed it because you were in a privileged position to miss it. You were able to not see it because you weren't being picked on this entire time, right? So I'll admit that there are times when I have found John in recent episodes to be a little too harsh, a little too angry, or too stubborn in his ways. And I know a lot of you don't feel like that. You feel like he's completely justified and that's fine. But 
This episode really helped me, you guys. Seeing all the times he's been beating up in the past and how that drives him now. You know, like for me as a reader, there are 150 episodes and I'm a reader observing John's story. But for John himself, it is fresh. You know, like I'm like, oh, I read that a while ago. And I know a lot of you are rereading. Maybe that's why you're on John's level. But for him, it's so fresh. And for some of us who read weekly, it's not as fresh for us, the abuse and the pain and a little bit of the torture that John went through, right? So you get why this episode was so great because it put you right back in that mindset of, oh, yeah, that's why John is the way that he is. It formed who he is. So at the very end of this episode, Remy calls John a hypocrite and she says, you are powerful. You could have fixed all of this a long time ago. You're not guilt-free, okay? And I saw in the comments, and I've seen on Reddit, and I've seen um, a lot of people feel very mixed about how Remy is handling it, which just shows you how good the webtoon is, that we can just disagree about this character and, and what she's saying to John and what her point of view is, right? So I would say overall, this confrontation went way better than a lot of us thought it would because I think some of us were scared. It was just they were just going to start fighting this episode and she was going to get punched in the face. But it doesn't seem like it's going that way. I mean, they're still talking right now, but they were actually what was special is that they were so vulnerable with each other. They really, really were able to talk to each other you know, not agree. They're not agreeing at all, but they are having a discussion about where they came from and why they are the way that they are, you know? So it's hard to hate either character, at least for me, because once I figure out where a human being or a character in a webtoon is coming from, I relate to them more. We all have our moments. Um, we're all shaped by our past experiences. And that's why Remy is who she is. And that's why John is who he is. You know, they've been holding it back for a while, but they were so vulnerable in this episode, letting you know exactly how they feel. Matthew Martin Jasso commented on this webtoon and said, Remy does have a valid point, but it becomes invalid as soon as John's backstory is understood. He gave up being a high tier in the hierarchy because of what happened and at Boston. Overall, everything Remy is saying to John doesn't actually apply to him. He doesn't want to be the example. It's true. Like I said, Remy's coming from her own point of view. She can only say things that make sense to the world experience she grew up in. So that's why she's talking to John this way at the end of the episode. But yeah, I, I do agree with this comment. Like there are things that we need to remember happen to shape John into who he is now. It's not senseless. It's not like he just snapped and is suddenly being weird and being cruel. That's not the case. He was formed and now he's not done. You know, it's like he's exposed himself to this friend group of Blake and Ison and Remy and let's let's just cross our fingers and I hope for a peaceful reconciliation and see what happens next. I'm really excited. And now I would like to move on to the listener response segment of the podcast. Last week, I asked the question, 
unlikely ships. What unlikely ships have you rooted for, even though you know they're not going to happen, you rooted for them anyway? KM Keller 21 responded in my DMs on Instagram and said, I always seem to low-key ship minor characters in the stories. For example, in Sub-Zero, I ship Aaron and Reyna. I know it's never going to happen, but it would be fun. That would be fun. I mean, I might be in the minority here, but I definitely ship that couple too. I, I did because I remember how I told you guys I ship the couple that sometimes the guy shows up first and I'm just like, oh, the first guy. Okay, great. That's who she's supposed to be with for the rest of her life. So that happens to me. I change my mind, you know, when the character changes her mind, but I tend to kind of get stuck for a second on the first person she liked and who liked her back. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to Dark Days comics, which you can find in the Discover section. It's all about a guy who's trying to find his brother but ends up in a government conspiracy. Check it out. Dark Days Comics. We are reaching the end of the podcast now where I pose a question of the week to you. What is your favorite way to listen to podcasts? You're listening to this one right now, so I assume you're listening on a platform. Which platform is it? Uh, This podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Is there another platform you wish it was on? But out of those three, what do you normally gravitate towards? I have a feeling people are listening mostly on Spotify, but I can't be sure, and it will help me in the future knowing which platform you guys listen on the most. So just hit me up. You can email me. You can tweet at me. You can um, slide into my DMs on Instagram. You can comment on this on Twitter. You can use the hashtag GirlWonder. You can email me. All of the ways to contact me are in the description box of this podcast episode. So please let me know, how do you listen to podcasts? What's your favorite platform? Am I missing one? Or which of the three is the best for you? Okay, let me know. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a joke instead. What did the traffic light say to the car? Don't look, I'm about to change. (laughs) Thank you again for listening. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Tuesdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye.